The opinions expressed in this podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Welcome racing fans to another thrilling episode of F1 Mailbag Madness. I'm Alexa and I'm here to dive headfirst into the high octane world of Formula One alongside my fantastic co-host Marshall Crocker. That's right Alexa, I'm Marshall, your fellow Formula One enthusiast and I can't wait to unpack all the excitement, the drama and all the adrenaline pumping moments that this incredible sport has to offer. Well, if you're new to the show, Mailbag Madness, this is where we bring you the latest in Formula One news, dissect the most exhilarating races and share our in-depth analyses on the drivers, teams, and everything else that makes Formula One the pinnacle of motorsport. That's not all, folks. We also have something special in store for you. This show is all about you, our fantastic audience. We're going to throw open the doors to our virtual mailbags. You can send in your questions, comments, and insights. That way we can answer your burning questions and share your opinions on the air. So whether you're a diehard F1 fanatic or just dipping your toes into the world of racing, Mailbag Madness is the podcast that's got it all. From the twists and turns of the track to the inside scoop on the personalities and stories behind the helmets, we're your one-stop shop for all things Formula One. So buckle up and get ready for a wild ride through the world of Formula One. This is Mailbag Madness. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of Mailbag Madness. I hope you're doing well. My name's Alexa. Alongside me is Marshall Crocker. Marshall, how are we doing today, my friend? We're back for Season 2. I know it's been three long months of no Formula 1 content, but you and I are back. How's it going? Yeah, it's been a long while, but, uh, you know, preseason testing scratched the itch a little bit. It's got me back ready for it. Seeing those new paint schemes, those new cars on track, it's uh, it's going to be a going to be a good season regardless of the potential domination that uh, preseason testing may have exhibited for a certain driver. But we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely. We definitely have to touch on preseason testing. I'm very excited to see uh, what Red Bull is going to do this year. Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, everyone's going to be back on track, gunning for that Constructors' Championship, that Drivers' Championship. But uh, I'll be honest with you, man. I think this past offseason was probably 10 times more intriguing than the entire 2023 season with all the storylines that broke through. And I think it would be criminal for us not to start with the news that broke uh, just a few weeks ago with Lewis Hamilton deciding to leave Mercedes and join Ferrari in 2025. Marshall, I mean, this is probably the biggest driver move that I've ever seen, I think, ever in Formula One. I know I haven't been watching the sport as long as you have, but when I look back and I think of all the craziest transfers we've seen, like Fernando going to Ferrari, Fernando going back to McLaren, Sebastian leaving Red Bull and joining Ferrari, Schumacher, of course, when he when he went to the Scuderia as well. But you got a seven-time world champion right now um, making his way to Ferrari after so many months and months and months of rumors just circulating around the F1 community. Just give me your initial thoughts and analysis on, on the transfer and where were you when it happened? Yeah, so when I, I, I found out about the news, uh, I was actually back home um, with uh, with some family that uh, that are also equally in the F1. My dad, who's been following the sport since the 90s, so over 30 years now, um, was amazed. He was the first guy I got to talk to about the uh, the Hamilton rumors and um, the fact that I think kind of so so early after there was inklings that he may be moving um, or that there you know maybe some dissension there with Mercedes. Um, he was immediately gone. Like the, the news came out so shockingly on Twitter. Um, and this has got to be, I think, the biggest storyline, like you said, easily in the last 15, 20 years. Um, maybe I would say Alonso moving from McLaren um, in 2016 would probably be up there when he run, went to run like WEC and uh, Indy 500 um, type stuff there. But no, just huge news. And I, I think this really just speaks to kind of the dissension we've been starting to see at Mercedes um, for years now, really. I mean, Alexis, since you've been following the sport, there's been a lot of rumors about Toto um, and then Lewis's you know, relationship that used to be so strong kind of breaking down. Um, same with Russell. I mean, Russell's been, you know, kind of 
getting pushed up a little bit there as potential number one driver material, maybe the guy they want to build around in the future. So I, I'm just really interested in, in the fact that Lewis's decision came when it did around preseason testing. Obviously, that was a big storyline last week was like, how bad is that W15 going to be if this is how early Lewis is making this call? Um, but everybody's pointed it out. It's 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 a great bucket list decision. Everybody wants to run in the red, uh, you know, have the Tifosi on your side. Um, there's a ton of pressure that goes along with it. And I think it's it's unrealistic because a lot of people are going to suspect to be like, OK, this makes Lewis a title contender because you see the number of like polls Leclerc's picked up. You see the amount of pace I think they had last year. And if it weren't for some inconsistent driving, especially from Leclerc and just maybe a lack of overall pace from science comparatively, then they may have done a little bit better last year than they did. Um, but I'm excited. I think it's a good call for Lewis for his career. I don't think Mercedes is going to be the place to pick up the the race wins he's looking for. Um, but I don't I'm going to be very realistic. I mean, we, we talked about a lot in season one, Alexa. Maybe I'm a little bit more pessimistic on Hamilton's outlook for his future than a lot of people. I don't think this is the the championship winning ride he, he may think it is. Um, I think he just wants to change a change of scenery. I don't know how what his expectations are like. I'm sure I'll talk about the more um, in the press as the season goes on once his time with Mercedes comes to an end. But fascinating stuff. Huge news. And uh, I'm curious from your perspective, Alexa, because you, you talked about, you know, maybe not having as much experience with these big you know pieces of news coming out. But uh, yeah, what, what was your what was your reaction to it? And what was like your immediate thought for either his career or for the future of Mercedes? Well, immediately when I read the news story, my jaw dropped because I think it was back in August of 2023 when he announced that he was re-signing with Mercedes until the end of the 2025 season, right before the new regulation changes that are set to happen in 2026. It was him and Russell, I think, that both signed the contract extension. And what worries me a little bit about Lewis is that it's been two years since he's won a race. And clearly, I don't think Mercedes are going in the direction that he believes they should be going in. And you touched on it perfectly in terms of preseason testing and what I believe is going through Lewis's head right now. I think even before getting on track in the W15, he understood that Mercedes was nowhere near the level of Red Bull. And at this point in his career, I mean, he's 39, 40 years of age. He's looking for a change of scenery and his his time is running out to win that record breaking eighth world championship that he's desiring to to get his hands on and it's it's quite possible that mercedes now with the new regulation changes that came about in 2022 just don't have the resources anymore or the engineers to to create a title winning racecraft for for either of their drivers and i think lewis is very aware of that which is why he's making the change to ferrari but my question here is is like what makes ferrari the better option because i know they picked up a handful of race wins in 2022 2022 um they won the, the they won a race in 2023 and Sainz was the only non-Red Bull race winner of, of last season. But in the same breath, it's like he could have just completely messed up his career and went to a team that isn't going to be as good as Mercedes in 2026. Because in 2025, he'll have one year uh, to race with the Scuderia in this regulation uh, era. And I highly doubt that anybody's going to be able to catch Red Bull even until the end of next season. You might disagree with me, but we'll touch on that maybe later when we talk about what we saw in preseason testing. But I think it it was time for Lewis to leave, but in the same breath, I I just I'm just I'm just still so so shocked by by how it unfolded because it 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 took place right before the season started, so he didn't even get on track in the in the in the W15. And on top of that, he was already racing for a team that I think could potentially have the exact same resources and he a team that he should have had more faith in, I think, 
to, to produce a title winning racecraft in Ferrari, because if you look at just Mercedes dominance over the past few years, like they, they, they've been they've been better than Ferrari in every department since since God knows how long ago, 2014, 2015, when when Lewis started dominating the uh, the F1 uh, circuit. So I, I, I was very surprised by this um, to touch on what you said. Also, I don't know if this is going to essentially revive his career because Again, he hasn't won a race in in two years, three years, and I don't know if Ferrari is necessarily the answer, given how long it's been that they've been able to see like like title winning results, right? Compared to like Red Bull or, or, or Mercedes, so it is an interesting move. I don't I don't know what to expect from it because I don't know what the car is going to be like in 2025 and 2026. But all I can say is that this is a dream come true for any any racing driver. So. I, I'm, I'm not surprised by it in a way that I think that it was Lewis's time to leave Mercedes, but in the same breath, like I just thought he would have had more faith, in, more faith in the silver arrows than, 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 than what was, what was shown now with, with, with this move. So I, I don't think I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't think he revives his career at Ferrari. Um, he might get a one or two more race wins, uh, under his belt, but in terms of a championship with, with Max and some of the other, other younger drivers, uh, coming up and rising through the ranks and just just being ultimately better than Lewis now who is who is at the tail end of his career it's just it, it is it is it is like a dream come true but in the same breath I don't think I don't think this is going to be something that we look back on and say that it, it revived his career I just I just I just don't see it happening the narrative is very clear like Mercedes has not had the car to beat in the last couple of seasons and he still hasn't um not you know let alone a championship hasn't been able to fight for wins really um I think Trying to re, you know, re-energize a team that, in terms of Ferrari, has been um, so close yet so far for almost 15 years now. You know, back to the Alonso days. Alonso almost won them some championships in the early 2010s. You talk about the turnover with uh, when Vettel moved over from Red Bull after his championships. He and uh, Raikkonen couldn't get it done. You know, Leclerc comes in. He's a lot of people view him as pretty generational, but he can't get it done. These guys just not only can they not win titles, they can't string together weekly wins. You know, Ferrari hasn't been this like juggernaut in seasons and i mean yeah they were the only team to beat red bull last year but you know i i think the success that that program should be having is a lot higher and if if lewis can be the guy to bring it to them i mean think what that does for his legacy especially as a guy that i think a lot of f1 fans can agree maybe is dwindling i think the same way that a lot of drivers in in, in other motorsports then you know uh former nascar champion jimmy johnson he had seven titles in his first 15 seasons and then he went like five years without a single win has been coming back every once in a while and it's just looked terrible and it's hurting his legacy and i think these longtime guys that build up this great resume the way lewis has if you just go out on a whimper on your career especially to a guy like verstappen that you know if he gets to the wins record in, two, in three or four seasons I think that narrative completely shifts and it makes Max seem like such the favorite to be the greatest driver of all time, at least in the conventional wisdom, right? So I think this is huge for Lewis. If he can be the guy to, to you know, bring something to Ferrari or, you know, maybe bring them a championship, I think that would, to a lot of people, um, definitively cement himself. And depending on the way he does it, it would, it would even for me, um, give him a lot more respect towards being the greatest of all time that currently I would rather shift towards a guy like Michael Schumacher. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. It is kind of interesting to see him put so much faith in Ferrari, given how awful they've been in the last few years, with coupled with the fact that they invest so many resources into making such a good F1 team. And Eclair hasn't been able to do it, and he's on the younger side, and he's obviously on his way up. And maybe if he had a better car, he'd, he'd be a world champion by now. But it, 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 it makes sense in the sense that Lewis is 
here to fulfill his dream of driving for Ferrari, but I don't know if it's necessarily the best possible move given how bad Ferrari have been. And the question also remains now, like, how is this going to shake up the rest of the grid? Is Lewis even a better option than Carlos Sainz? I don't know about that because Sainz in the last two years, in my opinion at least, has been far more impressive than Lewis Hamilton. And what is this going to mean for Mercedes now? Who are they going to pair up with George? Is it going to be Carlos Sainz, Fernando Alonso? I know you're very high on Kimi Antonelli, the uh, F2 driver that has been sending shockwaves throughout the sport because of his talent and his capabilities. And we're, we're wondering now if he can be that next Max Verstappen for Mercedes, that, that young buck that's going to come in and eventually just start tearing up the rest of the grid the way Max is for, for Red Bull, right? So, yeah, I mean, Marshall, if you can maybe give me a quick insight on who you think is going to replace Hamilton at Mercedes and how this move is going to affect the rest of the uh, the grid come 2025. I think this move is, is the perfect uh, you know solution to the lack of driver movement we've had the last two seasons, right? We haven't had a driver move in a couple of years, and I think a lot of that just comes down to teams have gotten, I think, almost too content with mediocre, where they'd rather put... Um, more faith in the car, where the car development is what they kind of take risks on. And, and that's what pushes them up or down the grid versus the quality of their drivers. And I think a, a swing for the fences move is exactly what a team like Mercedes needs, because with science now being on the open driver market, yeah, I, I agree with your point, uh, Alexa, about how he's looked more impressive, I think, than I was expecting him to be. I thought uh, science would be a solid um, consistent number two was never really going to challenge Leclerc in terms of pace for the last couple of years at Ferrari, but he's looked great. He's pushed him to his limits. He's almost beaten him in the, in the driver's standings twice. And I think he's a solid option, but the, the problem and the reason I, I mentioned Kimi Antonelli so often is looking at the success he's had in the junior formulas, uh, formula four. Um, he won Italian F4. He won the, uh, I believe it's the Dubai formula four championship. F4 Cup, like he's won all these these junior series, he's had tons of success. You look through his um, uh, his his like Wikipedia page for his success. He's 17 and he's doing what I, I wouldn't say to the same extent, but approximately what Verstappen did at a young age between carts and junior formula series. And if you have that raw pace and you think as a program like Mercedes, again the same way as Lewis, you think you you can develop this kind of you know, legacy as being able to turn drivers into incredible guys instead of what they did with Lewis, which is just bring in existing talents. Um, the same way they're trying to do with George, turning a guy that was very fast, but maybe, you know, incident prone into a guy that can be a world championship contender. I think this presents their shot to go, you know, with their own Verstappen. And I think we can agree, Alexa, it's much easier to um, build a car that's just better than Max to try to win a title that way. Because I think that's what they did not Max's rookie season, but the two years after that. I think Max was the best driver in F1 in uh, 1819, and he didn't win the title. But I think if they want to go a different direction, maybe Mercedes says, okay, maybe we don't have the car, right? We don't um, We don't think we'll be able to get close enough. We don't think we'll make better a headway on our zero side pod design than Red Bull will now that they're adopting it. The way to do it then is to just, okay, swing for the fences, grab this young guy with a ton of raw potential that you have to shape into something, and, uh, and see what he can do. So I think Kimi Antonelli is personally what I would do in terms of, I think you have to take a chance. I think science is gonna give you a consistent results. Um, in terms of other options, I, I don't see much out there. I don't particularly like any of the young guys enough to say they should take uh, these spots. Um, this time last year, I would have said potentially Nick DeVries could be in the conversation, but he just looked, uh, you know, not very impressive in his time at uh, what was then Alpha Tauri. I, I don't think he should have been sacked, but. I uh, I just want them to go a different direction, uh, Alexa. I want them to kind of push the envelope a little bit. That's why I want them to go 
um, looking Andre Antonelli. Um, and, you know, science not a bad option, but I think it is a surprisingly weak driver market for an A-tier team like Mercedes. But these moves are going to kick off some moves for uh, maybe some of the B-tier organizations. And I think that's why next, next year's offseason has really been jump-started by this Hamilton move. Yeah, so many moving parts here. So many drivers out of contract. Carlos Sainz is likely going to make his way to Audi in 2026. So I don't see him going to Mercedes for just one year. If Mercedes is looking at the ideal replacement for Hamilton, I think it's going to be someone like Kimi Antonelli that is rising through the ranks and showing a lot of potential to be the next best thing in F1. If there is one more option for Mercedes, in my opinion, I would say it's maybe Fernando Alonso. Um, he's out of contract at Aston Martin and he hasn't really shown any signs of slowing down, in my opinion. So he could definitely be someone that goes there for maybe two or three years and then gets replaced by Kimi once he retires. But there's so many moving parts here and there's so many drivers out of contract in 2024. Uh, we can even see maybe a guy like Nico Hulkenberg make his way there. I know you're very high on him, Marshall, based on what you told me in season one, how much uh, how much you love his driving style and, and what he's been able to do even without getting a single podium in F1. You just think he's very consistent over one lap and just has never had the machinery to to make his to make his name in the uh, in the world of F1. But maybe he can do that once he gets in a in a in a team or in a car like uh, like a Mercedes. And then we have Esteban Ocon, who was a junior program driver, I think, at Mercedes for a little bit. Um, don't think he would get along with George. I don't think he's the ideal teammate. And I think he stays at Alpine. I just I just don't see any other team picking him up um, anytime soon, just given his reputation in the in the community. But yeah, it, it is a little bit, it is a bit tough for Mercedes at the moment. I don't see them picking up signs for one year. So if there is going to be one guy, I think that is the ideal replacement for for their poster child. It's it's probably going to be Kimi Antonelli. And this also begs the question, I mean, for Mercedes, because I know you want to touch on preseason testing for just a little bit. But look, does, does this necessarily mean that the W15 is garbage? Because I feel like now you have a guy in Lewis Hamilton who didn't even take the car out for a spin on a real track, probably just tested it out in the simulator and said, yeah, I'm out. So we saw what we saw. I mentioned to you before the podcast, Mercedes could be sandbagging. They clearly did make some adjustments and the car is a lot smoother, a lot easier to drive. Um, is there anything that you're you're going to be expecting from them this season, given that, you know, Lewis just said basically that he's going to be leaving for Ferrari even before the season started. So he has either lost hope or, yeah, I can't really give another explanation for for why Lewis would have done that. But any, 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 analyses from what you saw in preseason testing Marshall for Mercedes or any other team for that fact. Yeah, no, we can we can touch on Mercedes first. I think the, the big thing for Lewis and you talk about it, I think a lot of the reasoning for him not liking the car and making the decision as early as he did was the simulator data. And I think again, as a as a former driver, as somebody who runs a lot of sims myself who knows the value of a setup and in the direction you make changes over the course of a season, it really does come down to, I think he had a lot of complaints when they first implemented the zero side pods and that car was as wieldy as it was, uh, or as unwieldy as it was early last season. Um, I think just he had his complaints, he had directions they wanted him to go. And I think the team's development and their engineering program was like, no, I think we are adamant this is the direction we should be taking our car. And he just you know disagreed with it so strongly that um, once he tried the simulators, once he saw the way it was going, um, he said, no, I, I'm not putting up with this for, for too much longer. Um, he didn't run very many laps in preseason testing, probably um, partly just because, you know, I feel like he's kind of lost that love that he maybe would have had before. I think he maybe would have been encouraged to run as many laps as Ferrari and Red Bull did as a team if he was looking to stick with the program, try to find more progress. But 
it, it feels to me like he's checked out a little bit on it. And I, I've often voiced my frustrations with some of, you know, Lewis's approach to things and he doesn't, you know, often see things through when times are tough and he's more critical and um, doesn't kind of roll with the punches the way like an Alonzo has at Aston Martin with their struggles. But uh, no, I, I think it's interesting to see what Russell's going to think of the car this year, especially if they start tailoring it more to Russell's um, driving sensibilities, as they probably will now that he's going to be the main guy. Um, but in terms of other teams, in terms of the lap count, because just for those of you watching at home who maybe don't know much about uh, preseason testing, don't know much about the um, the data or what to do with it, there's three days of preseason testing. Usually teams will either do a single driver day and then a day where both drivers run the car, um, because you only bring one car to preseason testing or they will do a, um, a a split with the three days, but that means you run less laps because you have to do uh, seat and pedal changes because different drivers, different heights, you know, like an Ocon is six feet tall versus a Sonoda that's like 5'1". So you have very different uh, driver heights and thus you have to make changes, meaning it's hard to swap in the middle of the day. But what you're doing is essentially just trying to get as many laps as you can. For example, Haas, they ran 441 laps. Um, I believe that's equivalent to like 12 race distances or something. Um, so they, they're doing just a ton of testing, just pounding out laps, trying to get used to uh, their tires, seeing how they wear, seeing how the drivers can take care of them, seeing what changes they can make to the car setups, not just for Bahrain, but trying to mimic how they'll have to race at certain tracks over the course of the year. So the teams to me that did the most laps, I think got the most out of it, which is a pretty simple way to look at it. And I don't put so much into what people call kind of the glory runs, which is just go out there on a set of soft tires, try to run a good lap. Um, I was impressed with Science's time there on day three. He ran the fastest lap of anybody all week. Um, I think that's promising. But I think the, the bigger thing to me is the guys that I'm kind of worried about. Um, we talked a little bit about, I, I forget if it was before we uh, recorded, but talking about Alpine and some of their potential struggles. Um, didn't run that many laps, least of any any full team. Um, and particularly the guy I'm worried about most is, is Logan Sargent because... I've often been kind of critical about him as well. Um, you know, so one of the guys I think would be my first cut uh, on the F1 grid, but he did not run many laps this week. I, I think uh, towards the bottom of the list of anybody. In fact, he is the least of anybody at 138, almost half uh, as many as Kevin Magnuson. Uh, he only ran a couple on day one, ran the, the whole day on day two, and then didn't run on day three. Um, the times were extra not promising, especially compared to his teammate Alex Albon, who uh, ran the eighth fastest time of the week, um, whereas almost three seconds off was Sargent. Um, in 19th so he's a guy that just needs experience he needs to be in the car more and for all the people that are really like trying to commit to this Logan Sargent comeback narrative for this season man he is uh, he's going to need to get some more laps in and I was disappointed he didn't get more time in preseason testing so I think Alpine and Sargent kind of the biggest losers there Hamilton the interesting story to look at how little he he practiced comparatively to a lot of guys and uh, you could say the same thing for some of the, uh, the I guess now racing bulls drivers with uh, Sonoda and Ricardo. Um, while they have had good pace, Ricardo was top five in both the first two days in terms of time. Would have liked to see them run more laps. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. Um, it was nice to see a lot of the new liveries on display because some of them are looking very attractive, especially RB. That is one of the best liveries I've ever seen. I love the steak livery as well. Not a, not a big fan of the name, but definitely, definitely a, a fan of the colors that that they that they put on display in preseason testing biggest winners and losers biggest winner red bull uh i think the talk on the grid right now or in the paddock as i should say is that red bull are once again ahead of the rest of the pack and everyone else is leaps and bounds behind which is frustrating for me especially since i got into the sport last year and all i've seen is max verstappen max verstappen max verstappen like that name rings synonymously with 2023 broke the record for the most race wins could he replicate that i don't know um, but it's not looking good, I think, for the rest of the teams based on what, I, what I'm what i reading about 
in terms of who really set the pace and set the benchmark for, for 2024. It, it, it's going to be another Red Bull dominant season from what I'm seeing. Ferrari look good. I liked, uh, I liked how they look in, uh, I like how they looked in, in day two and day three of preseason testing. Uh, again, Mercedes, based on what Lewis did, don't think they're going to have necessarily the best of seasons. And if there's a, maybe another team that would I would like to see probably have a really great season based on last year's progress, it would be McLaren. I know we didn't touch on them a little bit, but I think I think they're going to be another team that uh, that can do what possibly Ferrari did in 2022, where they were like the odd race winners and they were like maybe in the battle for the constructors. I know that that's a lot more likely than seeing a battle in the drivers based on Max Verstappen, but in the constructors with Perez and not not showing out in the uh, in the RB20 outfit is 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 something that I think might happen this season. So I think I think we could see a battle in the constructors, maybe just not the drivers, just based on based on where where, where Red Bull's looking right now. And as we know, they have the best driver on the grid currently. So it's going to be a challenge. All right, guys, that's all we have for today. My name's Alexa. And my name's Marshall. And we'll see you guys back for episode two. Take care, guys. Have a good one.